Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing. 95% of advisors in a recent study reported that something needs to change about the experience they deliver clients, and only 58% have a clear plan on what they intend to change. Those are just a couple of findings from new research released by my podcast co-host, Julie Littlechild. Changing environments like we have now translate into changing client needs and attitudes, and your experience needs to conform to that if you're going to stay relevant. The use of digital communications, for example, in the client experience you provide. Advisors are using a lot more electronic communication, not only to talk with clients, but to market themselves. They're using more social media. Julie and I discuss why we believe your firm needs to deliver a more personalized experience to remain relevant and more importantly, stand out from other advisors. We discuss strategies for how to change the client experience. We talk about the effect this all has on the scope of your offer. And then we tie it back to how to get client feedback to help you tailor the experience. Finally, of course, we discuss how all this translates into adjustments you can make to your referral marketing program. It's a particularly timely episode. I hope you enjoy it. So here now is my conversation with Julie about evolving the client experience through client feedback. So Julie, today we're going to be talking about the evolution of the client experience and how, what kind of an impact it has on referrals. So why don't we start with a big question and that's how do you think the client experience will need to evolve going forward? That is a big question to start with. It's a big question. Start with the big stuff. Right, exactly. That would take all day, but look. 42, that's the answer. (laughs) Yeah, that's 12. Um, So I think you know, there's a number of, of probably trends that we need to, to look at. And it's really interesting to me that we're thinking about this so much because it's 2020 and we've gone through what we've gone through. And yet, as we all know, we should always be thinking of this stuff. It's like, it's as, it's almost as if it didn't evolve before and now we're being forced to look at right. this. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, I would say a few things. Um as we look at it, first of all, that, uh, you know, I think the client experience needs to be truly reflective of stated client needs and concerns and aspirations, and maybe in a way that it's never been before. It's, it's evolved and we've, we've really got to, to understand how that evolution of expectations and needs and concerns should impact the experience. I mean, I, and maybe part and parcel of that is I think that we need to look very closely at personalization, right? I, you know, gone are the days of the generic kind of offer and generic communications that are okay for everyone. If we're going to understand needs at the client level, then I think everything that we do needs to reflect what, what clients say is important. I think digital is an obvious one. I mean, we can't get away from that. We've seen amazing strides in that, but it's a, it's a big part of it. And uh, yeah, you know, in general, I think we should always be asking this question, um, but it's good that we're doing it now. How about you? What do you think has to change? Yeah, well, I, I think you're right. And, and I agree with you. And I, I think that, you know, a couple of things have, have gotten together to sort of accelerate that. One, one is, as you point out, you know, digital communications. Um, and so now it's a lot easier and a lot more advisors are using platforms to get messages out. But I, I think that also runs the risk that, you know, a, a, a 
a prospective client who's evaluating different advisors could get the same exact message from two or three or four people. And, you know, I spent a lot of time talking about niche and creating that unique experience. And if you, if, if, if what you send a client, they get from two or three other people, that whole idea is going to blow right up. And I think that's compounded by the idea of, you know, what we've gone through this year. So we have more digital communications. We've got, um, more advisors using more social media and then with the pandemic you know we have more clients who are engaging with their advisors more electronically and virtually and so they're probably more open to that kind of thing of mm-hmm. thing so it's 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 even it's more and more important as you said to to um to really personalize that the communication personalize everything and 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 um uh, make sure that you are communicating something, you know, unique that communicates with that specific client that you want. Um, and so, of course, you know, that, well, so in, in terms of this experience, I think mm-hmm. you've, you've just recently done some work on that, on that mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? You've done some looking into the client experience? Yeah, we, you know, we started this assessment tool. In fact, I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, um, where it was just designed to help advisors think through what needs to change. But we looked at the preliminary results of that. And I thought it was really, really quite interesting. So this is just advisors responding about their experience. And, you know, the first thing that jumped out at me is this, there's like violent agreement across advisors, <laughs> that um, <laughs> something needs to change. So right. you know, 95%, you don't usually see stats like that. Wow, really? Of of advisors said uh, the client experience needs to evolve as a result of changing client needs and expectations. So I think we're in agreement there. What what was sort of interesting as we dug in, and we can talk a little bit about some of the data, um, you know, it's a smaller sample, but but, you know, significant, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, Was the gap between uh, what I know you and I believe important is important, which is understanding what clients think about that change and the need for change. So for example, 95% needs to change. 58% said they had a clear plan in place for that change. And 56% said they understand how client needs have changed. So, and I might argue if it's even 56, but you start right. to see that big gap, right? Where we, we might let assumption sort of uh, drive the day. And so, you know, I guess the big learning was that things need to change. And then we tried to get a little more, you know, granular from there in terms of the specifics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I, and that, that, that is amazing because I, I can't yeah. even imagine 95% <laughs> of right. a response to a survey saying anything, Anybody. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, so we've got 95% who say it needs to change. And then we've got about half of the people saying that they believe they understand how it needs to change. Yeah. And you and I, like, like you were re- referring to, you know, how much of them actually understand. And uh, right. you know, we, we, we get that that 56% thinks they know how it needs to change, but um, but 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 let's dig into that a little bit. So, so do do you have any ideas from from that survey, from that research about um, how they might change the experience? So you know we we structured it. So I suppose you know survey de- 
design influences obviously kind of the results we we kind of honed in on certain areas that we thought would be impacted and um, I think they they that advisors agreed that they were all impacted to a greater or lesser extent but what we were looking at was kind of the fundamentals of client experience so you know how often do clients want to meet how do they want to meet you know is it virtual that that sort of thing um, we looked at the use of social media and whether that was changing we talked about uh, the types of client communications and we looked at um, how the needs of clients might change and you know the influence that might have on things like the the client conversation and so forth so those were those were some of the the key areas and you know there was you know, I think there's some nuance in there, but we started with the pretty obvious one, which was frequency. I mean, are you seeing anything on that when you think about like the the need for the frequency of contact to change? Well, it you know, we see that it goes up and down depending on what's happening in the environment. I, th I right. think on one level, you know, as this pandemic continues on, we, we, we see, and this is not in financial services, this is just generally, but mm -hmm. we see, you know, people's general level of anxiety going up and their level of stress going up. But for a lot of people, it's it's not really even focused. It's just sort of this underlying feeling. I, you know, I, I go biking on Wednesday mornings with, with a friend of mine and, and he was, he was saying, you know, I, I find my, I, I go into Home Depot or I go to, you know, or I see something online. I find myself just really getting worked up about something, which is really unusual for him because he's a really kind of, you know, kind of calm guy you know and 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 friendly and optimistic but he was he was saying that it's just you know really ramped up and and you know i was talking with with my cousin who is a dentist mm -hmm. and i at one point i had had some you know i'd had some pain in my jaw and 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 he was saying well it sounds like you know you're grinding your teeth at night you know right. that's what'll give you that feeling yeah. and, he, and and i said oh okay and he said and don't feel on don't feel don't feel um unusual about that because he said you can't believe the number of people that are coming in they're actually cracking their teeth because they're grinding they're grinding them so bad so with higher levels of anxiety i think people need more reassurance and more frequent contact and then of course you know it's i think there's a, a you know a reasonably good chance that over the next few months uh, we're going to have some more market volatility mm -hmm. and of course whenever market volatility goes up people need a lot more contact. So, you know, I, I think that that will always be fluctuating up and down, but I think the, the likelihood is that in the near term, there's a, there's, a, there's a really good chance that we'll need to keep in touch with people more frequently. And of course, you know, now that we've got clients oriented to, ta to, to um, communicating with us in, in different ways than, than they were before, multiple ways, you know, that, that facilitates that and it, um, uh, you know, it, and, and, and if it's easier for them, then they, they, I could, I would imagine that they might want it more. And so, so did you, did your research talk about how people communicate the different channels that people can communicate? Yeah, we looked at channel and we looked at, at frequency. I mean, um, there wasn't a high percentage of advisors who said that they had a really clear plan in place on frequency. A very few had asked clients about how often they want to meet or what they value as part of the meeting, which I, mm -hmm. I thought was interesting. But, you know, I just wanted to highlight the point you just made us about this sort of non-specific anxiety, because at some level, I think there's an inclination to say, well, frequency of contact doesn't need to change because my clients aren't calling me and their portfolio is fine. Um, both of those 
two things are probably true, but we know what's going on and we're really talking about being that trusted professional, reaching out and it doesn't stop the day, you know, you hear you can go back to the office, right? I think right. we're going to have something that is ongoing. Um, I can say from the investor research though, that we do see really significant differences in the demand for frequency of, of contact across uh, age groups. So by oh, okay. and large, younger clients are saying they want to meet more often. Oh, but to, okay. your, to your second question there, where you led, and I took completely off course, is that they <laughs> are they're much more oriented toward a digital meeting. So it's right. more more frequent, more efficient. And right. so right. some of this, I think, is like, well, pandemic or not, you know, we've got to tackle this issue <laughs> because yeah, right. sure. younger clients are going to be looking for different things. Um, so yeah, definitely we're seeing um, a lot of change. Like a lot of advisors have said, I'm, you know, they're doing digital. They have no choice but to do digital. But it's almost like I'm waiting for the memo that says we can go back to in person and then we'll <laughs> back there. Yeah, right. Um, I tell you what, the the numbers that we've been seeing though from clients is really interesting. It's not as if 100% of clients say digital is the way to go, but we're literally seeing numbers that are well over 50% of them, either saying online or I don't have a preference. Oh, so, interesting. You know, so that to me is a big shift in, yeah. in yeah. terms of saying, all right, maybe we need to continue digital and what do I need to learn about this process to be really effective at it? Yeah, yeah. Because that's a bigger issue. Yeah, well, and, and if I can go back to a point that you just made and tie that back to something we were talking about before, you know, you were talking about um, younger clients having a preference for digital. Right. Um, so in the advisory boards that we've been doing, we've been asking people, you know, because all the advisors have, um, have had to go digital, at least for now, you know, so... They're, everybody's looking forward to the time when they can get back together in person in the office. But for now, everybody, you know, or a lot of people really feel more comfortable with Zoom um, or something like that. And that population is accepting of it. And what we hear back, you know, I could summarize as saying, you know, we prefer in person and we'd like to do in person at least once a year. But otherwise, you know, for the other times of year or if you need to get a hold of us quickly or those kinds of, you know, the digital is fine. But if for advisors who want to, you know, position themselves, especially to, um, you know, stay in touch with the next generation and bring the next generation on board as clients, as, as estate plans are playing out, we need to pay attention to that, right? Because, you know, it, it's, it's that Wayne Gretzky thing of, you know, going where the puck is going to be. Mm -hmm. And um, so, while our older clients may be more familiar and more comfortable and more accepting of the digital experience, I think we should pay close attention to your research if that the next generation down prefers that that means. So if we don't have a good, organized, streamlined way of communicating um, digitally, then uh, the likelihood is that you know we, we run the risk of not attracting that lower that next generation down and i'll tie that back to what we were talking about before in terms of in terms of niche mm -hmm. one of the challenges with more digital communications and more uh, more stuff on the web and more uh content production more mm -hmm. digital media being distributed by advisors you know it, it, this is a trend that's been going on for a long time 
but this is helping accelerate it. So you're no longer just in competition with other advisors in your neighborhood. You're no longer in competition with, mm-hmm. with the, the other advisors in town. Now you're, now you're in competition with everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like we, we spoke with Meg Bartelt on, you know, yeah. the recent yeah. episode, you know, that we get more people who are completely virtual practices and so there is no geographic boundary i mean you know now your your client if they find exactly what they're looking for if they're finding exactly the experience that they want it doesn't matter if they're halfway across the country that other advisor is is in a position to you know potentially take that client that you wanted absolutely look we work with consultants and and coaches and different things across the world now right yeah so I think you're right, a huge competitive shift. It just reminded me, we were looking at the results of a, it was a firm survey we did, we did, but it went to about um, 40,000 clients, like a large, okay. large scale survey. Yeah. Um, and uh, initially looked at the data and it said uh, 48% of clients said they preferred to, to go back to face to face. And then when you looked at it by age, even that was under 50%, but it was skewed heavily to the 70 plus. Oh, interesting. Uh, So, and that was a big part of the population. So yeah, definitely some, some differences. And I think that some of that um, plays into, you know, the other aspects of communication like social media, right? We've, you know, Compliance issues aside, let me sort of set that aside. Sure. Yeah, I know right. that there are some barriers, but I talk to a lot of advisors who say, no, I absolutely don't go there. And I've, I've wondered, and this is all I can say is it was a question is that throughout 2020, I found myself um, relying more on social connection because we didn't have much choice. And I wondered at the same time, does that mean other people are using certain things more often and will that have an impact? So again, we don't see overwhelming numbers of clients saying, I absolutely want to use social media with my advisor, but we're seeing 20, sometimes 30% saying, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to connect with my advisor that way. And that's a shift, right? That's, yeah. a, that's yeah, a big yeah. change. Yeah. And, and, you know, these, these changes don't announce themselves and they don't like show up and say, okay, now we're going to transition to this. Go social today. Exactly. Today's memo. Yeah. uh, Demographic (laughs) shift scheduled for next Friday. That's right. (laughs) Get ready. Exactly. I mean, they, you know, they, 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 they happen and, and some, some changes are more gradual than others, but I mean, that we can clearly see that shift and it's, I think it's accelerating and it's, um, you know, it's something that we need to pay attention to because otherwise it will, it'll creep up on us. And, you know, if, if we're not paying attention to us, we're going to be stuck in the situation of, you know, what the heck happened? And yeah. Well, you, you mentioned client communications, which is, I, I think, a, a huge, especially if we, we talk, you know, about referrals at the, at the same time. So, you know, I, uh, I mean, broadly, how do you think client communications need to shift or have shift? And then maybe we could talk also about just, you know, the impact that has in terms of driving more referrals. Well, so, so um, I think it's, I think it's in line with a lot of what we're seeing in um, the different ways that advisors can promote themselves and communicate Mm -hmm. with the world is how they want to communicate with clients. And so um, what we see is uh, a few things. One is, um, there are more platforms for advisors to sort of remind clients that they're there. Um, 
with uh, and and keep that keep that top of mind status. So we have uh, we had uh, Kevin Mulhern from Advisor Stream on the mm-hmm. podcast a while ago, and you know so that's a way that you can send individual emails or a weekly newsletter out to people with a bunch of articles. And so you're not being promotional about it. You're saying, Hey, I found these couple articles and you can pick them to correspond with things that the clients are interested or concerned about. So we're one, one change in the communications is we have these sort of mass customizable kind of tools that makes it a lot easier to, um, to, to keep in touch with clients. And uh, you know, we've talked with, with clients who receive those and they really like them. They really think that their advisor is, uh, is, is thinking about them when they send Mm -hmm. those things out. So that's one thing. Uh, The other thing that we see a lot more is, um, is uh, video. And we have, uh, you know, now that we have technology that makes it really easy to do that, you know, we've, we've done some boards with advisors who will post as, as frequently as a weekly, a weekly video. And it may just be a couple thoughts about what's happened this week, or usually they're not long. Um, they're just a couple minutes, but, uh, but clients respond to it really powerfully. They, they, they really like could, because, you know, it's, it's engaging more of the, more of the senses, you know, it's not just one, it's two or three. And they just, they feel a connection there, you know, and since now we're connecting so much more frequently digitally with, with our friends, because we've got to, you know, limit social contact. I mean, that's, that's, now you're putting yourself in the same, the same channel as they're, as they're communicating with their friends. And it sort of like changes the relationship a little bit there. Yeah, for sure. There's a, there's a, speaking of stats that are extreme, one of the ones on this advisor poll that we did was that, um, so the statement was this, I have a clear plan in place to provide communications that will support my clients based on their unique financial and non-financial challenges and concerns. Okay, so a bit of a mouthful, but right. <laughs> that was the statement. And a whopping 9% of advisors gave us a five out of five on that. Wow. <laughs> and another 39% said it was a four out of five. So kind of heading in that direction. Sure. But, but again, I thought it was kind of interesting because in particular, because when we did our investor research, what we saw was such a clear shift, especially in March, April, toward an interest in non-financial topics, right? The things that changed the most, it was health right. and it was right. stress and it was family. It was, it was, In my mind, I kept thinking of it as the things that are of interest are the same things that we're talking about at the dinner table at night, right? It's that that's what people are interested in. Yeah, right. Exactly. Think a little more like that. Um, So, so this need, I think, for communications. Back to that, you know, the initial statement about personalization. You know, what what's on the mind of our clients, and then can we can we mass customize or mass personalize? I guess in this case, based on what they're saying really matters. Right, um, right. Well, and, and, and so I just wrote a blog post a little bit ago that mm-hmm. about being being an expert in your client. Yeah. You need to be an expert in your client and not, not the individual and not the people that you work with now, but your target client, the person that you're right. building your business around. You know, the, the, that's, we talk about that as, you know, when you build a client-driven business, you create the business around that client persona, yeah. that particular person that you want to attract. And the more you can be the expert at that person, and the expert is not their portfolio, the expert is their life situation, the expert mm-hmm. is the stuff they worry about. And I think that's particularly important where we have this kind of an environment where we've got two interesting things going on. One is that the market's doing fine, and the other is everybody's more anxious than normal. And so if they're not anxious about the market, 
talking about the market's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Um, but if you can address a lot of the other things that they're concerned about and the challenges that they face, that you know that will help connect you with them. That will help you know communicate to them that you understand where you know who they are, and that will you know communicating that on a regular basis will position you much better to attract more clients and referrals. Well, it doesn't, you know, and I would argue that we can also drive it down to the individual, like in addition to all that work at sort of the persona level for the whole business, um, being able to have a way to, to understand what your clients are thinking about right now. And that might be different from what they're thinking about a month from now. That's the reality, right? Yeah. And and connect, like, you know, you and I were, were talking before we started today about parenting. Now, if later I find an article that was really interesting to that and I send it to you, it's like, oh, you listened. <laughs> you yeah. know, you actually yeah. thought about that. Um, there is an interesting connection to referrals here, though, as well on this whole topic of communications or content, I guess mm -hmm. is what we're really looking at. Because um, when we looked at our investor data and we, we cut it between clients who'd referred and who hadn't, 69% of clients who referred said they'd shared content from their advisor and it was about 29% uh -huh. for everyone else. So oh, interesting. you start to really see that we're, we're talking about client experience and we're talking about client engagement and that's the primary focus here, but it turns out you can leverage exactly the same stuff to drive referrals as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, you know, a lot of these platforms where you can personalize communication, send them out. But when you are sending something that addresses a concern that your client shares with their friends, or, or when you mm -hmm. give them a resource or connect them with an article or something yeah. like that, that, yeah. that connects with that, that, yeah, that, that, uh, that is a great platform for referrals, because it makes it really easy for, you know, your client to help out their friend who has the same problem that they do by passing along that content. Yeah. And that, you know, again, just exposes you to those friends and establishes you as that expert, the person who's in touch with those issues and, you know, understands that particular life situation. So, you know, are there other particular granular things that, that, that you saw in your research or that you've heard about that, uh, that help drive referrals through communication? Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to repeat that, but I think that the overall thing worth seeing is just is just being very intentional about leveraging what you're already doing. And that means looking at it through a completely different lens. I mean, for example, we, as part of our, um, you know, when, when our clients do feedback, we also work with them on taking action, right? Mm -hmm. when, okay. when they're sure. interested in that. And a big part of that is often I want to take action on the referral opportunity. So we've, we've worked now with the, to, to map out this entire process that so, it's sometimes just about reducing friction. So for example, you gather feedback from a client, they say they've referred if that if that's the case, you know, they responded to a survey and they've referred, they get a segmented message that acknowledges the referral, that invites them to an appreciation event, and that they can easily forward to friends and family, right? So like you're taking literally one communication and saying, what would make this valuable not only to my clients, but to their friends and family? And then how do I reduce the friction so mm -hmm. that it's really easy for them to to do that. Uh, so that's the lens I like to take is is just what what can we do to squeeze the juice out of this 
uh, client communication so that it drives more referrals as well. Yeah. Now, beyond just the communications, um, you know, you also talk about the focus of client review meetings. And yeah. so what, what kinds of, what kinds of ways can we improve that? How do we upgrade? How do we upgrade that? Well, I think we've talked about this maybe in the past before where, you know, advisors have been saying to us, uh, gosh, I know this came up in one of our podcasts, but it was, you know, I, I keep, I'm talking to my clients all the time, but what's the next conversation, right? Yeah. Like what yeah, yeah. would, what would actually make this more, <clears throat> more compelling? And so I think that, I, I do think we need to think quite seriously about how we communicate with our clients in those review meetings. You know, we've done a lot of work around client self-confidence and it relates back to your initial comment about anxiety. And, and I think if, if we have a way to understand where clients are at, um, not by just saying, hey, how are you doing? And if they say fine, moving on. Like actually, <laughs> yeah, actually, right, exactly. That's like a, that's like a husband and wife. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> right. fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Which, of know, course, you know, when you ask your wife, it means well, not fine. Right. It, exactly. <laughs> Code. Um, but you know what I mean? Just having the ability to peel back the onion a little, I think, is it's a, it's a new skill. It's some advisors, so many advisors I talk to are built for this kind of thing. Right. I mean, right. it's just their skill. But, you know, here was something that the, the one piece of this poll that shocked me. Uh, completely <laughs> was was really one stat and it was this 51% of the advisors we talked to said they had asked their clients if the pandemic had impacted their thinking about the financial future like that is where I thought it would be 95% because this has had an impact on how we feel and right. our values and our vision of the future and all of that. And, and the idea that we weren't always leaning into, has this changed your thinking about what, right. where we're trying right. to go? Right. Or, you know, and let's face it, there's a lot of needs. I mean, insurance, estate, uh, philanthropic giving, you know, there's some real significant changes in needs that, that I think is just, I mean, that's just sitting on the table for us to take right now. Right, right. Yeah. And, and you know, so in our advisory boards, you know, we're incorporating a sequence of questions about that kind of thing exactly. And, and yeah. so we ask questions like, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic, you know, have your thoughts about your uh, goals or your retirement, have they accelerated or stayed the same or delayed, you know, right. and, and, and you get people talking about that because you're right. And we, we've talked about we've talked about that on a couple episodes about, you know, clients needs and wants, uh, you know, are always in flux, but, you know, yes. in times of, of upheaval like this, it, 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 they, they change even faster and, and yeah. those outside circumstances come in and change them. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, that's a critically important, um, thing to talk about. So, yeah. so I guess like, you know, we, we've talked about so many different things here, the, 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 the frequency of contact and the mm -hmm. form and needs and, and all of these different things as, as parts of the client experience and may evolve. So, I mean, I guess the obvious question is, what do you think, where, you know, what do you think advisors need to be either doing differently or, or maybe just like, where should they start with all of this to, and maybe to challenge the potential that they're allowing their own assumptions to drive their strategy? 
Yeah, well, so I, I think that the thing that advisors um, should do first is to um, is to is to if they're not already get that client feedback right and go out to those clients you know organize your advisory board or if if you used to have a board that met personally or met you know in person um, do a digital one don't put it off um, you know start collecting that feedback and 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 when you collect it you know really honestly reflect on what does this say about our business model and our service model and and are what is what we're hearing um, an indication that we should revisit what our total client experience looks like and should we customize that at all should we update it should we change it what what are your thoughts from your perspective what do you think advisors should do today yeah i mean look we we're both built around input from from clients in very different ways so i can't i can't help but to focus there um we can't, we've, we've got to get closer to what they're really thinking and feeling. But the one thing I would say to add on to that is that this isn't one and done, right? That, that we need more than ever, always did, but recognize now a process to have ongoing input from our clients. Um, look at how our, my, I'm schizophrenic right now. And some of my thinking, I swear within an hour, I could, I could change my mind and it's um, probably not a good term to say because I, I didn't mean it in that way but you, you know what I mean it's like it's my emotions are up and down and that's changing and changing my needs so we need to stay on top of that if we're going to ensure that the experience is consistently reflective of what our our clients like advisors are doing a great job they've got deep relationships mm -hmm. I think we need to be looking for a way to to kind of connect and support that in a more robust way. So, right, right. Uh, I, you know, I do think we have to start with those questions. I will put that assessment link in the show notes, though, as I said, because sometimes just a little self-reflection can be an easy yeah. to start as well. I think that'll be great. Well, that all sounds great. And um, I think this, um, I, I think there are a lot of good ideas in here for advisors. So, um, so Julie, as always, it's wonderful to see you and, and, and you. Uh, join you. And uh, we hope that uh, this has been useful for everybody. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.